Always on Target on The Face Radio with your host, Maud Marty. On Target, where I spin Northern Soul, Mod Beat, Rare Groove, and Forgotten Gems, all on vinyl, all at 45 RPM. I'm your host, Mod Marty. Welcome back. I hope you guys are all ready for this new format that I'm dishing out today. We've got music, we've got interviews, we've got upcoming events, lots of exciting stuff. I started off this week's show with the track that I played on the show before, but I recently came across it on its original label. That was Roscoe Robinson, That's Enough, which if you're a collector out there or a DJ, you probably have that on the Wand label. I didn't realize this, but it was actually originally released on the Jerry label, 
and then due to minor popularity, it was picked up by Wand and redistributed on the Wand label. So you don't often see the Jerry label. It's very excited when I came across it. It's a classic old school Northern Soul and one of the earliest records that I ever got on the Wand label. So it has a place close to my heart. Now, this week I am interviewing none other than Julio Fernandez. Julio puts together the yearly Northern Soul Weekender in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I got the chance to go last year. It was a blast. If you want to hear all about that, you should look for Addicted to the Needle podcast where a vinyl addict meets his dealer. It's available anywhere you get your podcast with Parker Pat. And he and I did a two-part episode recounting the weekend in the car on the way home from Pennsylvania to Montreal. It's episodes 95 and 96 of Addicted to the Needle. A lot of fun. Give that a listen. Also, in the course of this interview, we realized that my set from that weekend is about to drop on the Keystone Mixcloud and Facebook page. So if you want to hear my set from that weekend, go to Keystone Soul Weekender on Facebook or on Mixcloud. But there's another installment happening this December. So I thought it would be prudent to have the organizer on the show and to talk about the Weekender. And we had a really great chat about the soul scene in general and the European soul scene versus the North American soul scene. So fasten your seatbelts, put on your helmets, prepare yourself. This is my interview with Julio Fernandez. So Julio, hi, how's it going? It's going very well, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. As I was just saying to you, uh, this is a first for my show. It's uh, an exciting thing to sort of break the ice and uh, for you to be the first guest ever on the last 10 years I've been doing the show. I've never had a guest. You're the first. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'll pay me with two drinks? Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> I will. So uh, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where you live? What you do? I'm originally from Spain. And I say originally because I live in the in the States. I've been living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for the past uh, 13 years for good. I came here 15 years ago. And before that, I, I grew up basically in Madrid. That's, that's, where, where's, that's where I did most of my life. And I spent most of my life, although I'm originally from up north of Spain, uh, a little region called Asturias. But I basically grew up in Madrid uh, culturally and all that. I'm, I'm from Madrid. I, I grew up in the Madrid scene. So that's where I'm from. So you got involved in the whole like music scene. Like, Is your interest in mod or skinhead or soul or exclusively? Or were you involved in all that stuff in Madrid? I mean, yeah, like I think most of us, right, we grew up within scenes. I don't like to use the word evolve. I think we grow up within this type of musical scenes. And yeah, of course, and, and actually in Europe, I would say, although countries are smaller, uh, these type of scenes are typically larger, they're bigger. There is more people and, and more events. I think this is pretty obvious to see in the internet. 
And, and I think I grew up like many people did, you know, I was born in 1980. So, you know, when I was like 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, that's when I had my first punk rock band. And sooner, actually very early on, I was fascinated by the mix of Jamaican music with punk rock. And from there, when I discovered that connection, plus, you know, all the two-tone then the rest is history. To me, it has been the natural continuation when you get into a scene like this that has such a history, first in Britain, obviously, but then that it has expanded all, all around the world, right? So, yeah, I started collecting actually more Jamaican stuff. That I started with reggae back in my first 45 that I consider that I bought uh, as part of my journey of buying music and collecting. It was in 1997. Oh. And from there... Do you remember what it was? It was actually a gift. I didn't buy it. That's true. It was a gift. My good friend Emilio gave it to me at a bar in Madrid called Anvic, which was the bar that a lot of the mods used to hang out. And so he gave me Dandy Livingstone, Susan Beware of the Devil. Ah, nice. That was a gift from him for my birthday. So I just turned 17 years old and literally within a week, I was already buying 45s and trying to figure out how I could get them as soon as possible. And I started with that, buying mostly reggae and and, and blue beat and ska, and then naturally soul and and all that good stuff. Yeah. So how long did it take before you tried your hand at DJing? Wow. That was, I I think one of the first times I DJed like, out right in a bar in Madrid was when Tony Face from Liquidator and oh I love the, Liquidator <laughs> they were awesome yeah <laughs> Tony Face and the the person who was soon to be after that the singer of my of one of my bands who was Ruben Ruben Lopez he's he was the singer of Malarians he was then a uh, singer with my band, Peeping Toms, and now he's in La Inquisición, um, uh, a punk rock band. So they were doing these Thursdays at a bar called Moloco in Moloco, Madrid. Nice. And, yeah, obvious, <laughs> yeah, obvious name. Yeah, it's hosted by really neat people also from the, from the original like mod scene back in the 80s, the revival mod scene in, in Madrid. And that was one of my first incursions. And that's where the Julia Apollo 12 comes up because Tony comes and says, hey, how are you going to, what is your nickname? Yeah. And I was like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> so that was like 2000 or 2001. And so I, I, at that time, I really liked a couple of songs that, that had in the title Apollo 12, Owen Work Grace, Apollo 12, Laurel yeah. Aitken, um, uh, Apollo 12 is Skinhead Invasion and um, and the other one, the other Apollo 12, well, I think it's Sir Washington or something like that. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's go with Apollo 12. And from that, <laughs> again, the rest is history. That's excellent. <laughs> that was my first time. Yeah, that was my first time. Around 2000, 2001. And when did you come to the States? You mean as a visitor or or to live? <laughs> oh, I see. So you vi- you visited before you lived I here. moved here. Yeah, I visited the States back in the 90s. Actually, uh, one of my... So I love... I, one time, one summer, I came to Mission Viejo in California, which is really close to, to LA. And I was, I was young and I was hanging out with uh, guys that were like three years older than me. And it was a great time. 
But then the time that I enjoyed the most in the in the U.S. back in the 90s was around actually that time that I told you about the record, 97, 98 or 96, 97, around that time. I was in Chicago and I went to a show there to a place called Metro. And I remember seeing Jump with Joey and oh man, I, I, I have the flyer. I took a picture. I still have the flyer and I took a picture of it one time that I was in Madrid. I still have all that memorabilia there. And oh, there was a, the Bongo something band. And I think the adjusters also played. So it was something like that. It was an amazing show, actually. And um, yeah, we went there a couple of uh, uh, skinheads and, and punk rockers to see that show. And one of the guys got kicked out. So, <laughs> so it was a complete night. That's excellent. <laughs> Under, all, all ages show, because I was like 16 or something like that. And then you... Uh... So, and then I moved to the... Yeah, I moved to the US, uh, as I said at the beginning, kind of like uh, for good since 2010. Yeah. I came in 2008. I was coming back and forth. And, and then in 2010 is when I established here and I, I moved to Lancaster. Like you went straight to Lancaster. That's where you settled down. Yeah. In this area, I tried to find a place that actually actually had a little bit going on. <laughs> yeah. And it's close enough to like Philadelphia and New York to be, uh, you know. Baltimore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot actually. When, when I was there, I was f- amazed by the amount of stuff that was so close by. Right. That's, that's, that's what we say. It's, in Amish County, but then you're connected to everywhere, driving distance. <laughs> yeah. And you used to have a, a night called Red Rose Soul Club there, right? Yeah. So that Red Rose Soul Club is started. It was, it's the, the, the story is pretty funny. So I've been living in, in Lancaster for about three years, uh, three and a half years or so. And I didn't see much happening uh, that I was interested in. And uh, I knew of um, of a couple that... They're not together anymore, but very cool guys, both of them, Christine and Joe. They were they were involved in uh, Gladiator Records, and they live in York. But I never had a chance to see them, you know, blah blah blah. And long story short, one day I'm hanging out at this place called Telas 360 in uh, downtown, completely random night, and I see this poster that looks completely brand new, and it says Reggae and Soul, and it has the the cover of the album from Lee Perry, the, the, the ape one. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was, so I, I reacted to it like any of us would like, who is that? <laughs> right. Yeah, what, what is, is going, going on? on? How is this happening? <laughs> and so I, I talked to the guys, to the sound guys at, at this venue, which is kind of like actually the main, main venue in Lancaster. So they told me, well, there's this guy called DJ Salinger that is putting this thing, to, this thing together every, every Wednesday. So I literally straightforward messaged him through Messenger. I found him and found out that his name was Nick Reiner. And uh, he didn't live uh, far away, actually. He lived at that time downtown. And so he was like, oh, cool. I mean, if this is your thing, just stop by. So next Wednesday, I stopped by, brought some records, played some records with him, had a great time. And I did a few of the Wednesdays. And I was like, you know, at that point, we started to talk like, you know, Reggae does not seem to work very well. Soul is it works really nice, and we both love that. And it was like, why don't we put together a monthly night that is a soul club? And that is started in, I think it was end of 2014. That was the first one, and it ran on literally until last uh, January. Wow, 
So even through COVID and everything, you still... No, well, I mean, we paused for yeah. COVID, yes. <laughs> you, came, you came back afterwards. Yeah, we, we came back and then, you know, um, it was not in a small place like these, I think that is asking for a lot. I, what I mean is, I think the culture is not to stick with things. Uh, and I mean, this is, it sounds like a criticism. It's just a different culture. I mean, someone being someone that has emigrated and immigrated into the States, I understand that culture changes and scenes are culturally different across the globe and, and also societies. And I think that this area in particular is, a, is an area where people get excited about something, they show up, and then they stop showing up. They burn up. out really fast. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like being there, done that kind of thing. Yeah. That's the mentality. Yeah. Where I live is very sort of secluded as well. And it's not a lot going on here either. And I did the same thing. I started a soul club and, uh, I've just been fighting that, that fight, you know, for the last, uh, two years now. I mean, I've been DJing for 25 years, but the most recent thing I've done is this soul club, but I'm fighting that fight and trying to get people to get excited about it and stay excited about it. But that's a whole other thing, you know, so I totally feel you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard. And, and, and Nick is a professional DJ. So he, he does everything and anything. He's not uh, just a soul DJ or scene or subgenre DJ. He's someone that can do an absolutely top 40s and pack you tell us on a Friday night. So we actually were, I believe we were a very nice duo because I was taking care of more of the rare soul to get people into into different sounds. And he would also sometimes play some rarer stuff, but mostly like the Motown sound, the stacks, songs that actually people recognize. And I think it was a, a neat combination. And even so, it was hard. It was hard to, to get people excited about oh, it. Oh, for over, sure. Because you can... Yeah, because you get people like really excited about something that they know you play Ain't No Mountain High Enough or something like that. And the dance floor fills up and then you put on In Love or something afterwards and and they're they're like, I don't know this, so I'm going to go sit down, (laughs) right? It's like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. (laughs) This sounds like my parents' music, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I have to say that I've I've been hearing that it is not just a small town effect. I think that uh, there, there are cities where 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 they still struggle when you look at the magnitude of how large they are like when you talk about big cities it's still they don't attract as much people uh and and loyal people that that is very hard yeah Uh, and i'm talking just this area okay i'm not i'm not extrapolating to other estates in the country no sure i talked with al hson from soulfinger which is in manhattan and that you know that's a huge city but they have a real struggle trying to get people to come down to their venue. And it's like right in New York City. And it's, you'd think, but you know, the thing that amazes me is that we never lose the passion for it. We just, we keep on going despite the fact that maybe we're the only one in our neighborhood that's really into this or whatever, but it's still, the passion is always there and it never seems to go away for people like us, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's why that is why it's a it's a lifestyle. It's passion, as you said, and it's a way of being and living life. And that's why it doesn't go away. Now, this brings us to the the main thing, the big thing, the huge, I think, vitally important thing that you're doing, and that is Keystone. You're putting together this mecca for all DJs and and soul fans to come to Lancaster. 
and do what they're doing in the UK here that you can't find anywhere, but you're, you're doing it. So how did that come about? And, and like, tell us a little bit more about Keystone. Yeah, Keystone Soul Weekend or Keystone, that's the, the brand we use uh, as a whole. And then Keystone State Northern Soul Weekender. As you said, you know, we, we, the moment we started it, we envisioned it as a Northern Soul Weekender, not even as a generic soul, because we wanted just to create what it's so hard to find, at least Impossible. in the East Coast, <laughs> which is, you know, three days of Northern Soul scene, because it's not just the music or the, the sound, it's also the, the sense of belonging that we were talking about, right? That's, that's also what we wanted to create. Right. So yeah, we started that eight years ago, then COVID hit and we missed one. So this year we're doing the Lucky Seven. Awesome. And actually it started, another funny story, it started with living in Lancaster and, and all of a sudden realizing that there is a British guy that lives in, in Lancaster that I had seen years ago with records on his hands. And then actually telling Nick moved to his street was basically a neighbor. And when he moved from where he used to live, I, I told him, I said, there is a British guy in your street because I've seen him having breakfast myself <laughs> with records. So keep an eye on that. And like literally within days or even max a week, he was reaching out saying, I met the guy. You were totally right. And actually, he's a Northern Soul guy. Oh. And I talked to him about you, like you have to absolutely admit. So we met and we had an instant click. You know, he represents the original generation of the Northern Soul scene and the souls, rare soul scene in, in Britain. His name is David Raystrick. And, and I bet that many people have actually bought records from him. He has been coming to the U.S. since the 70s uh, with, you know, being 19 years old and buying records here to bring them to the soul scene in England. Uh, oh, man. And he's one of these guys that tells you stories about booking buses to go to Blackpool and, and, and Margate or whatever, and Wigan and all that stuff. So, but regardless of that, what Dave has uh, that is great is that he doesn't have that this nostalgia view of the scene. And that was the connection we had. He's someone that the moment I started talking to him, he recognized, for example, how the Spanish soul scene is one of the best in Europe. So he's not, uh, although all of right. these events are in, in Britain, like together with Dave Moore, these are people that appreciate a lot doing things in Spain. And and it's true. I mean, the Spanish soul scene is very good. Anyone who has gone to a weekender over there knows that it's, it's very active, is very loyal, talking about staying. Uh, if you put together, like my friend Danny, he puts together Barcelona Soul Ballroom and, and he absolutely packs it. And, and he can afford just doing the first one with international DJs and it's completely packed, right? So <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so with Dave, there was that instant connection. And within months, we were like, let's do it. Let's try to find a venue in Lancaster and put together a weekender here, right? Yeah. And then what happened was that uh, we were looking for a venue. It was rather difficult. And then we learned through a hotel because at first we were looking for hotels, right? Our idea was we need a ballroom. We didn't want a club. Right. Because that's a different concept. In the US, there is a lot of dance parties, which is a club where there is a DJ and people Right. that concept. We did not want that. We wanted a ballroom. We wanted a, uh, an event where people go, mingle, uh, relate to each other and and most importantly dance to what DJs are playing and it was through the Holiday Inn downtown that back then it was not a Holiday Inn 
that the manager said, hey, have you guys tried the Elks Lodge? And it has an amazing ballroom. And so we went there and met with the manager at the time of the Elks Lodge, and she opened the doors of that venue. And literally, Dave and I, I, ha I had been in weekenders in England, also back in the mid-2000s and stuff. And we look at each other, and it was like, holy crap, this is it. This is like... I know. Like you step in there, and you feel like you've been transported to like a ballroom in England. Yeah, like a Cleethorpes kind of like situation. Yeah. So... So that is exactly why. And, and that's why we do it there and we cannot move it because we absolute that's the place to do it. It's perfect. Yep. So that's, that's how it has started. And, you know, over the years, it has become more and more of a more U.S. focus rather than trying to mix U.K.-based, European-based DJs, which we had more at the beginning. And now it's, well, if they want and they can, go ahead and come. But one of the views that I have, and this is more personal, is I realized that it was important to make it different. And this is something that we've talked internally, that one of the beauties is that here, at least, if you move the right people, if you attract people from different cities, the age spectrum is different than in, in at least, for, for example, in Britain. It's a little bit more similar to what happens in, in the rest of Europe, that the age spectrum is a little bit wider that you have people in their 20s and people in their 70s and not the upper limit, right? Yeah. Which I think that is appreciated a lot by a lot, but many of us, you know, to have a little bit of more yeah. the younger people, the the middle age, and those folks that are a little bit in, the, <laughs> in their silver. Yeah, the silver, like, silver sneakers. I'm on the edge of that. <laughs> silver brogues, we can say, silver, silver loafers. Um, so, so that's some, something that, you know, and it's hard because then that means you need to think a lot about who is going to DJ, why you need to respect loyalty because it has been hard to attract people. And, and, um, and it's, it's a process. It's a really difficult process, but, you know, I have like a list of a hundred people that I would love them to DJ at Keystone Soul Weekender. Like, believe me, I mean, I have a list yeah. of pencil down. I have like, I don't know, 50 people. Oh, I, I know. Like, like everybody I talked to, like having had the opportunity to go last year and thank you for the opportunity this year, which I wasn't able to take you up on, but hopefully I'll be there next year. That the, that everybody I've talked to, it's been like a, oh, do, are you getting to DJ? Are you getting to DJ? Oh, no, maybe not. And then the, the people that are able to DJ just feel like they've won the lottery because everybody wants to do it. Like you ask any one of those hundred people, they'd all say that they wanted to do it. So <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing because you've really created something that's centralized the whole DJing scene anyway, and made it accessible to everybody else. And I think that's really important. I mean, on this side of the country, I would say, because, for example, the guys from Emerald Soul Club, I mean, I think that that's incredible what they've done over the past 17 plus years. Yeah. And we are lucky that I'm very good friends with George Rodriguez and, and Paula Carrillo. And he, I wanted him to come the first year. Yeah. Uh, and that's how we realized that actually we had overlap with Emerald and I was, it was a disaster. I was feeling so badly. That was the very first year we made the huge mistake, but because this is the other thing is the Elks Lodge is an Elks Lodge. Right. So these guys <laughs> are not going to rent the ballroom 
to these <laughs> crazy weirdos <laughs> that want to play records from the 60s and 70s uh, when they can rent it for a wedding for probably double the money, right? Right. So we, the seasons here are weird in this county. So for them, actually, the fall is a peak season because people come because it's beautiful ar- around here and they still there's a little bit of tourism. So that makes sense. So that's why we had such narrow ability in November. And then the spring, which we, we would have loved to do it in the spring, the problem is that it's peak season for weddings, right? So anyways, and this year, for example, we had to change it to December. You know, I mean, that was it. I mean, it was our way to, to be able to, to work with them on the price because, as you know, everything has become more expensive. Yeah. So it's a, it's a significant rental. That's the other, the other thing with a, with, a, with a ballroom versus a bar. That you actually right, rent of course. the place. You don't. You don't just go. You cannot do business with them. You you cannot say, well, you take the bar and that compensates for this. So yeah, I mean, on this side, I think that you know, I, I we should be proud. I would love it to be larger. I would love it to be for more people to attend actually, and people see the value. I get it. You know, I was in California last month, and someone was saying, yeah, because. Who wants to go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania? And I get it, right? I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, but but at the same time, I think I don't know, Marty, if you would agree. But if you experience it, then your your view of it changes dramatically when you see yourself absolutely like, in that venue with those with people dancing with actual space to dance and and listening to records that maybe you have never heard live, right? Right. And I absolutely agree with that. And I think that when you go, you realize, again, how close it is to everything else. I mean, people from New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia, they should all be coming. Yeah. You know, because that it's so close. Mm -hmm. It's, It's only, yeah, exactly. All around that area. And then once you go and you see it, it really did feel as though you were stepping into a real authentic Northern soul atmosphere, because that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it, what it is rather. Cause the, the fact is that it's, it doesn't happen anywhere else. I've never been to the Emerald city one. I lived in BC for a really long time. So I was always in Seattle, spent m- almost every weekend in Seattle. And I got to know some of the DJs down there and stuff, but I was really involved in the scooter scene and the mod scene. Mm-hmm. Only after I left did the whole soul scene explode there that I haven't been able to go back and, and enjoy. So, mm-hmm. But you've got that going on on this side of the country. Yeah. And so I say this side, I'm sort of right in the center, but <laughs> I know I was gonna say, <laughs> your side of the country. You're, you're in a different time zone, brother. <laughs> yeah, I am. And that's one of the things for me, having like flown, the way that I got there was I flew to Montreal and then we drove from Montreal down to Lancaster. Wow. And that was a huge trip, but it was so much fun and it turned into like five days, right? It's not just the three days that we were there, but it's the going down and coming back and unfortunately very, very expensive. So Mm. I have to budget for it. (laughs) Yeah. But that's- that's that's the issue. And, and that's what I meant before with the volume of people. People go, well, but you should be happy. You know, you have like around 150 people 
last year was at like about 150 uh, in a venue that is very large. And that's the other thing, right? There are videos and photos in, in the internet and people go, there's no one there. It's like, yeah, but this <laughs> place is huge. You know? Yeah, it's huge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about it. You can really do like, if you can maintain, like I'm just too old now. I tried dancing for like more than two songs in a row and I just lose my yeah. breath and my <laughs> knees started hurting. I was, but, but if you're, if you can do right. it, like if you got the stamina, like people were spinning and doing flips and kicks and you know, everything. Mm. And that's what you love to see people like actually getting the chance to do their Northern soul dancing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot flip and spin, you can actually uh, dance without a college student on top of you with a beer on your head. Exactly. That's also the whole yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and, and so that what I was saying is what you were saying that is the expense and all that. I totally get it in terms of we cannot get uh, the closest hotel to, to book us um, a block of rooms at a, at a significantly discounted price. Like we, we did a couple of years and it was just literally not worth it. Most people were like, doesn't make a, a big difference. Right. Um, but, but I mean, as you said, you know, if you budget for a trip like this, like we budget is almost like budgeting for a vacation uh, and for something completely different. And that's what I like also always to emphasize to me is worth it. And I would always do something like this because um, it's your way of then saying I, I did it and I, and I had a great time. Typically, people meet new people and that's really neat to. It just happened to me in California. So, and I love that. That's what, one of the things that I like the most is when I see people that have met a Keystone Soul Weekender. Uh, and I've made, I've made at least a half dozen really good friends that I met there and we've stayed in contact since. And, uh, you know, like Scott Boyko, I've gotten to see yeah. him like two or three times since then and hang out with him for a couple of weekends uh, elsewhere. Yeah, super great guy, and like guy. I consider him a really good friend now. And I, I met mm -hmm. him at, at at Keystone, and um, and I just loved that as well. It's a very very big thing. I mean, you and I didn't get to spend much time together. You were running all over the place trying yeah, to keep that's things my going. Problem, right? I like <laughs> yeah. I like to say that where when I enjoy the most the weekender is when I come home and actually after party at my place with other people. That's, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite time because I can actually not have to worry about is the sound okay? Are people okay? Is this going yeah. right? And and so forth. Yeah, yeah. When I I remember when I arrived, you were like instantly there was something about the parking in the back or something that that had you flustered and you were running around trying to yeah, figure that out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Probably um, something happened. So tell us the specifics. So when when is it happening this year exactly? And I guess you've got all your DJs, so you're slowly releasing the the names of who's going to be there. So it's going to be December eighth through the 10th and uh, December 8th is, is Friday. So with the first needle drops at 8 p.m. So it's on the 8th at 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. in the morning. So that's the first night. And then Saturday on the 9th, typically is from 12 noon until 5 p.m. And that the afternoon session, which is actually also a very uh, European UK thing to do in, in soul weekenders is also mingles with, with record dealers selling records. And, yes. and you would agree that the records that are being sold are extremely good. <laughs> yes. I got tons of great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that makes people happy. And, and I'm, I'm trying this year, I'm going to have, I'm going to try something new for the afternoon session that I'm, 
I'm not going to reveal yet, uh, but I want DJs to try this and, and do just something different. So more people come because I get it. Again, going back to how you envision a scene, right, and, and a culture like this, uh, I get it that here that whole afternoon session necessarily is not as common. It's more like chilling, listening to records. While we, what we want is people to go there and actually dance and, and, and have a good time. So there will be record uh, buying and swapping at around that time. And then we come back at 8 p.m. again until 2 a.m. on Saturday night. And then again, we come back on Sunday. Uh, and that one is a little bit more chilling from 12 to 5, although since they don't allow us anymore at the lodge to do the Sunday downstairs, which was more like a brunch situation. Right. And we do it upstairs. Actually, la- uh, last year, it actually worked out very nicely. And It was and, beautiful. I yeah, loved the Sunday. It was the great. The Sunday was great. So we're going to repeat the same thing. Just make it make it the ballroom a little bit smaller with the tables. And, um, and just whoever is there on Sunday, which actually was pretty quite a bit of people last year. We yeah, will, yeah. you know, just do the grand finale like that again. So, so pretty packed, pretty packed weekend. Yeah, it is a packed weekend. It's totally worth it to go. So where can people go to, to buy tickets? So Eventbrite. So they will type just 7th, 7th, keystonesallweekender.eventbrite.com. And that's where people can get the tickets. It's $20 one day, whatever day that you choose. And uh, 30, 37, I think, 35. Uh, I forgot now. <laughs> I forgot how much I made it for the three the three day pass, which, in my opinion, is is the way to go. But yeah, that's definitely because that's uh, like you said you, you you have to rent the place and it's for three days, so like Correct. it's a big big expense, and people should take that into consideration. But it's so worth going. So go to the Eventbrite site and buy tickets and go and check it out. Uh, like because if nothing else, you're going to have a great time dancing to excellent music and now al Hison records every everybody's set and then he drops every what is it every week leading up to it he you guys drop a set and last year i listened uh-huh. to every yep. set as they came out leading up to it like partially so that i could hear what everybody was doing and be prepared for it but all, it, it got me super 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 excited for it as we were leading up to it too and that was that's the story behind that is also beautiful because it's another accident. Uh, the year that Al first DJed, he had come as an attendee. Um, he came with the Tascam, the typical Tascam to record shows and stuff. And he goes, "Can I record my show?" And I was like, because he came at the very beginning of the night. And I was like, "Yeah, why don't you just? I mean, if you want to record more than your show, just go ahead." I said, "Oh, I'll record the whole thing." Yeah. <laughs> and and so he recorded the whole thing and and it was like okay uh great awesome you know uh let's this just if you can edit it and you can put the time uh fantastic and that's how it happened and so i opened a second mix cloud uh for the keystone soul weekender apart from mine that i rarely use because i'm too lazy to record stuff <laughs> and and yeah then the idea was every sunday at around noon depending on what i'm doing um, I upload what Al has sent me and he takes care of all the editing and making sure that things can be fixed. Sometimes DJs are, are a little bit uh, out there and they move the crossfader or the pan and then you can only hear one side. 
Actually, Al did an amazing job with someone uh, said last year that uh, this DJ actually had moved the, the pan to one side. So it was o- literally all, only sounding uh, through the left. And it drove me crazy. It, do- it drove me absolutely crazy because I was there on stage trying to fix the speaker. It had nothing to do with the speaker. And then I realized kind of like halfway the set that it, what was going on in the mixer. Well, what Al did to fix that was to actually duplicate the set and then fake the stereo by basically copying one channel onto the other. So, so the guy, the guy is incredible. And, uh, and yeah, like me, you know, he's doing this. We, I have my own job, you know, this is just, to me, this is just the passion of doing something different. There is no revenue. Like there is no money that goes into my pocket. Um, everything, if there is any carryover is just, thankfully, it gives me the, the, a little bit of the mattress to not have to advance money to pay for the deposit, for example. But literally, that's where it goes. You know, it, this is not a business. It's all about that passion, man. Mm-hmm. It's all about that passion I was talking about. You've got, we have that passion and we do it for the love of the music and, and the, the community. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. It's a sense of belonging. So let me say something. I think that actually you're next. I am uploading last year oh. and I believe that after in the afternoon session isn't it true that after chaz and ivy uh, it chaz was and you? Ivy. yeah yeah and yeah, you just so dropped chaz and ivy yeah so your <laughs> set is coming out on sunday and then this show will come out on monday so <laughs> that's perfect it's fortuitous <laughs> yeah brilliant so it was um, meant to be one of the things that i had asked of you and i know i know it's a tough one but i asked you to come up with three tracks that First time I asked you, I said that you think I'd never heard before, but I feel like maybe I'm going to broaden that to you think doesn't get played enough. Oh, wow. Uh, so now you screw me up because you made me think about those the other three. No, no, no. Do whatever you did. Like do whatever you picked out is uh, I want to hear, but I feel bad that it was sort of a, a tough one. So. That's good. That's good. Because my response, so that everyone knows, my response was in the era of the internet. <laughs> telling, you know, it's so difficult like to figure out three tunes that you have not heard. And what I did, I'm going to confess, what I did was to say, okay, what have I uploaded to Discogs myself right. because it was not there? So that increases the likelihood that someone may not have heard it. And these are not necessarily my, my favorite records. They're rare, not my favorite one of them, actually, I do play and I like playing. And when I uploaded it into Discogs, um, uh, uh, a British DJ that I'm not going to name uh, contacted me saying, holy crap, that's our cover-up. It was for a, uh, And it has oh, been a cover-up really? for a long time. <laughs> and so forth and so on. So I'm going <laughs> to screw up the cover-up. <laughs> so, I, I, love, I love uncovering cover-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael Robinson does not. <laughs> Hello, Michael. I love you. <laughs> come to the weekend or you haven't come in, in some years. So the three tunes were uh, Eddie Billups and the Jaguars, Let's Dance. This is a like early rhythm and blues tune. It sounds a little bit rockers, actually, but I bought it in Allentown years ago, um, and it was very rare. A ton of people had not seen it, um, and I was asking around before buying it just to get a sense of, um, if people had, if this was just truly rare or what. And uh, and actually, it's a cool tune. Um, it's, as I said, it's very rhythm and blues. It's a tune that I think could perfectly work on a on a very, like, 
um, malt R&B. Oh, cool. Scene. Well, that's up my street. Well, I tell you what, why don't we give that a listen? This is Eddie Billups and the Jaguars. Let's dance. and the middle of nowhere. This is On Target, on the Face Radio. The soul of Brooklyn. Oh, that's great. As I said, up my alley. Yeah. I love that Then stuff. another record, another record that is known in the R&B scene, at least in Europe, very much so. Uh, but you said, you know, oh no, I had not heard it. It's a Chubby Martin, Soul Salesman. Uh, which is, I mean, it's a kind of like a crossover soul rhythm and blues uh, tune. Cool, let's spin that. My clothes are ragged, my shoes are old. Ain't got no money, come on, take so My pop told me before 21. Say, you know you have a problem. You know that they Now I got soul, I know it. Now I got soul. You be known all around the nation. You're better known as a soul station. Don't want no money, don't want no fame. Want everyone to know my name. I'm a soul station. Hell, I got soul, I know it. Hell, I got soul. Wow, everybody knows.
I take my bag if you can. Listen, I thought I'd tell you, man. From the low Mason Dixon line. They don't call a green and old man wild. I'm a soul. Now I got soul, I know it. Now I got soul. Wow, everybody knows it. Dance Party Radio in England on modradiouk.net. And then the other one is Mark West, I Love You on Rocker. And actually both sides, in my opinion, are really good. I Need You and I Love You by, by Mark West. It is on uh, the Rocker label. And this is a tune that I personally really like. I think it's a, this type of a, like rare early soul um and but not and can may not be everyone's cup of tea i, I have to say yeah, that's true You are 
always think of my show as being like a um, an introduction for people to hear stuff that they wouldn't necessarily hear, especially if it's something that you don't love enough to play out, then chances are you're not going to play it out, but you've got it. It's there to be heard, mm-hmm. right? So I, I love to share that with my listeners and, and uh, let them you know, decide whether or not they like it because everybody has right. different different tastes. Oh, right? I knew that song. I've heard it m- multiple times. It's like cool. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Oh, I'm so sick of that song. I've heard it yeah. so many times. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so since uh, I was, we're sort of running out of time, I'm gonna say thank you very much. I really appreciate all the info that you gave, and I really want people to join you at keystone this year i'm coming next year whether i'm djing or not i'm going to come for sure next year and it's been a really great talking to you i'm glad i'm very happy to have had you on the show and be my first guest <laughs> yeah this was it was fun it was awesome and uh yeah i mean whoever listens um especially from canada just book a book something and come together like join people to to come to the weekend or so it's a little bit less expensive and oh and by the way i think an important thing is for people to know that one of the best ways to keep up to date is joining the facebook group keystone soul weekender and then following also the account on instagram and facebook that uh, actually now thankfully george rodriguez is also helping with the Instagram, especially, and the Facebook. So so if there are posts around there, sometimes it's George who is behind. Uh, me, David, uh, so, so Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And I will also put that in the info on the show page as well, so that uh, there's some quick links there for people to go to the Facebook page, the Instagram page, and the Eventbrite page, too. Awesome. Thanks again, Helio. It was a uh, pleasure talking to you, Marty. We will miss you this year. So get ready for the eight. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. This is The Face Radio, and you are listening to On Target. It's what's in the grooves that count. Visit ontargetpodcast.ca, the official On Target website, for all episodes and links to your favorite listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and Player FM. We are also available for download at iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Ghana, Roomplay, and Deezer. Listen, comment, download, share. And feel free to send me an email directly at mod.marty at yahoo.com. What a great guy. What an awesome interview. Please make sure that you check out all the links that we talked about and support the Keystone. I mean, even if you're not going, but you want to support, you can still buy a ticket and it helps a lot to keep this thing going because it's very special in North America. Next week, I'm going to have Teresina Costas from Toronto, a.k.a. DJ Nico. I want to talk to her about her experiences in college radio, in the mod scene in Toronto. And she's instrumental in putting on an event that's happening in the spring, which we'll talk about as well. I'm going to leave you off with something fun that I just came across. It's called Batman's Grandma, and it uses popular music of the 1960s to sort of tell a little Batman story with Batman and Robin about Batman's grandma being kidnapped by the Green Beret. It's by Dickie Goodman and it's a good for a bit of a giggle. I hope you enjoy and please come back and join us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been On Target with yours truly, Mod Marty. 
Join me every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on The Face Radio. And please visit thefaceradio.com and donate to get a free gift and help to keep the station on the air. Until next time, keep the faith. While Gotham City sleeps, Batman's grandmother is being kidnapped by the arch-criminal known as... The Green Beret. Commissioner Gordon dials the secret number of the Batcave. Holy smoke, Batman! They got your grandmother! <laughs> Quick, Robin, to the Batmobile. Great Scott, Batman! Something's heading right for us! Here it comes! Holy cow, Batman! I've wrecked the Batmobile! Come here, baby. Scratching my back. No time for that now, Robin. Look, Batman! It's the Green Beret and Grandmother! I'll save her, Robin. Gee whiz, Batman! What happened? Bang, bang! Shut down! Is this the end of Batman? Stay tuned to this record. So far, Batman's grandmother has been kidnapped. Batman has been shot. Robin has had his 19th nervous breakdown. But the best is yet to come. Batman! Batman! Speak to me! I can't make it without you. Jumping Jupiter, Batman! Grandmother is kissing the Green Beret! Batman! Batman! Where are you going? To the Batroom, Robin. Well, how was it, Batman? It was Holy mackerel, Batman! The Green Beret has fallen through that trap door into his own alligator pit! He's a real nowhere man! Once again, Batman and Robin have foiled another arch-criminal. Back at the Batcave... <laughs> Wowee, Batman! Look at this telegram! Grandmother has been drafted! 